Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Military families are not like your traditional family. They are strong, brave, resilient, and some of the most incredible people I know. My name is Gracie, a U.S. Army brat, and I am your host. I am honored to be able to give military family members like myself a place for them to share their stories and experiences in the military life. Stay tuned for this week's guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to a new episode of Grace of Military Child and Life. Today, I'm super excited. Um, We were just saying a second ago before I hit record, we've kind of known each other on Instagram for a while, um, but have not kind of officially met until now. Um, But I have Dr. Lindsay Cavanaugh on the podcast, who is a a military spouse um, and does so much more. So I'm super excited to get into all of that. But Lindsay, welcome. How are you? Uh, Hi, I'm so happy to be (laughs) here. Like I said, I'm so happy to meet you in person. And yeah, I'm super excited to chat with you today. Yeah, awesome. So kind of just give me like an overview of military life and the so many wonderful things you do. Um, Awesome. Okay, so I have been with my spouse for 15 years. Um, He is in the Navy and he has been active duty that entire time. So he is now um, 17 years in. We've had like five deployments. We've had, I think, five overseas moves. For some reason, we can never get uh, an an in-country, a CONUS move. (laughs) Um, And yeah, two kids and and here we are. I am a military marriage coach. I am a psychologist. I have worked for the military for a really long time and realized that marriage was really kind of not only my passion, but really what was making the biggest difference in military communities. We all know how military life is so hard on marriages and marriage is so important for our overall health and happiness. And so it is now my 100% focus where I work with military spouses to help them have the marriages that they truly desire. So it's just been super cool. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And you know, so much goes into that. I'm sure like from your aspect and then from the couples you work with and, you know, just seeing the need for that because there's really not many other people who do what you do to help improve, you know, military couples, military families, but also the entire military in general. Because when marriages are strong, like you said, happiness and joy comes from that. And then you know, our service members are able to actually go out and do their jobs. Yeah, well, and it's not even just me. So Harvard did an 80-year study. It is the longest research study that has ever been conducted. And what they looked at is what are the markers that lead to health and happiness? And they took all these things, right? They looked at genetics. They looked at blood types. They looked at, you know, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Like, they looked at absolutely everything. And by far and away, the thing that contributed to the most to health and happiness was marriage. Like, no joke, marriage. And all of these scientists are like trying to find something else, and it continually led back here. And we know how much military puts on strain, puts on these marriages. So you get 
the deployments, but you get really just the inconsistency of schedules, whether that's even just TDYs, trainings, whatever you get. Um the training that military service members receive, you know, to not have emotions and to be very defensive. And, you know, so you just get all of these things that don't necessarily translate into strong marriages. And so we have to be proactive um, to really make sure that we're kind of getting around those barriers and those challenges because military life gets so much easier when you have a solid teammate and when you have just somebody that's in it with you. Um, doing it alone is is really like the scariest thing to me. Yeah, I could only imagine that. And it's so important, like you said, to have that teammate, to have that person who you can rely on for anything who you can go to with anything and the military it does train you in a certain <laughs> way to have no emotion even from this family members perspective like from the kids perspective like you see that and you mm. in a sense become like that because that's what you are exposed to that's what you're aware of and so mm. it really trickles down and so having that understanding of both ends um, on both spouses, it's so important to have that healthy relationship. And then, you know, it trickles down into the family and that dynamic as well. Yeah, because if you think about it, we like we are not taught how to have relationships, right? I feel like this should be a class that you take in school starting in <laughs> <Right>. kindergarten, <laughs> but we're not taught. So most of us learn from our parents and what our parents are doing. And let's be honest, our parents like are are you know, now that I am a parent, right? Like I work really hard to know and I still feel like I'm going willy nilly half the time. And so if you're able to show your kids, you know, a really strong and healthy relationship that just helps them to have stronger and healthier relationships too. So you're, I mean, it, it, the, the trickle down effect um, and kind of like you said, right? If if we can be more vulnerable in our marriage, now we can get on the same page with parenting. We can show that vulnerability to our kids and how that's okay. We can show them how we deal with, right, with emotions. Again, like the trickle down effect from a strong and healthy marriage is just astronomical. It's huge. Right. And that dynamic in the household changes and, you know, it's not necessarily good. I mean, I've never been married before, but <laughs> from what I understand and what I've heard and learned in like the few psychology classes I've taken here and there, you'll get both aspects of, you know, poor relationships. And, you know, it's good for your kids to see that not everything is perfect and sunshine and rainbow and fairy tales. But, you know, you get the arguing aspect and then you get the happy aspect. And it's good to have a mix of both because you're going to have disagreements yeah. and you'll have arguments and that's unavoidable. Everyone yeah. is an individual. Everyone has their own personality. So it is completely unavoidable, but you have to find those compromises that in between meet halfway and sometimes give a little more than you receive. Yeah, exactly. And I love being able to show my kids that I love 
them being able to see like, I have all the emotions. Now I'm going to work really hard to make sure that I'm experiencing all of those emotions in a really healthy, productive way. Um, I'm going to, if I don't do it in a healthy, productive way to, you know, apologize or talk them through it. But like, I love the idea that they get to see you know, again, and we're not like doing major fights around them, but like, right. you know, how to have, like you said, healthy conflict, like even what does that look like? How can I, I, I think it's such a gift that honestly, so few people really are getting because again, you have all of these parents that just really aren't shown any of this stuff. We're not taught how to do any of this stuff. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you that like this needs to be a class in school, like understanding even just uh, different forms of communication, because that's not Mm -hmm. taught in school. Um, Mm -hmm. You're taught English, you're taught writing, but none of that is like verbal communication with others around you and, you know, learning how to understand people. Because even, you know, now as a 21 year old, that's something I still struggle with is talking to people, but then also listening in return. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, you're doing it in your friendships, you're doing it in your, you know, again, relationships, you're doing it at work, you're doing like all of these skills are are needed everywhere. And I, I wish that this was something that we've discussed, but you're like you said, right, we're learning social studies and learning geography and learning all these things. But the number one thing that we know helps us to feel happy, we just like, good luck, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, f- for our sake, you add the military on top of that. And they're even more like, figure it out, you know, there's yeah. no... Every spouse I talk to, they're like, you don't get handed a guidebook. Every kid says the same thing. Like, we don't get a manual of here's how to do this. Here's how to navigate these challenges. It's figure it out and hope for the best. Yeah, I remember when I first started dating my spouse and I had all of these questions and it really was that. I feel like I had... I know that there are a lot of resources now, but back then I didn't know. And even then I wouldn't have even known where to start to look. And my my mom, here's an example. My mom, what her dad was in the military. He passed away when she was younger. And I mean, she's still navigating some of the things that come up from that, like, you know, the money, retirement, that kind of stuff. And no one's told her how to do that. She didn't grow up in the the world because he she was so young when it happened. And just like little things like that where we're like expected to know, but I don't know how we would know. Yeah. My dad got injured in Afghanistan in 2011. And so one thing, you know, all of the caregivers tend to talk about is, you know, you get your service member gets injured and not by necessarily anyone's fault. It just is how it happens. Mm -hmm. And then you get handed back into these relationships and it's like, okay, well now you're not necessarily only dealing with a military service member, but you're also dealing with someone who has been through catastrophic trauma and is trying to deal with that and you're trying to keep a relationship and I mean when I 
when my dad got hurt, I was nine. And so there were tons of other kids. And so it's like trying to be a parent, trying to be, you know, a husband or a wife and balancing all of these things. And it's like mm-hmm. military didn't do much to help and yeah. um, walk through that process of how to care for your service member, but also be a husband or a wife or even a child. I was going to say for you, you're nine years old thinking about things that nine-year-olds shouldn't be thinking about. You're thinking about like, what do I need to do to take care of him? What do I need to, right? Like these are, these are just questions that you wouldn't in any other circumstances be forced to think about. And so I think that that's kind of the reality of this military life sometimes is we really are put in these situations and we're not given a lot of support in those moments. I know the military says that they support families, but I think that there's still a lot lacking in that. And because of that, I just think that really the pressure is on us to kind of seek this information out. And the good news is like there is a lot of support, but it's just we have to be the ones to do the work. Is that fair? No, but it's just where we are right now. We have to do the work. And I think it's worth it overall because, again, everything gets better. But, yeah, it's it's it's, it's frustrating when it's like a nine-year-old having to do the work, you know? Right. And, you know, like you said, there is a ton of resources out there, but you have to put in the work to find it. And, it's hard to put in the work to find it sometimes because it's really hidden. But Mm. I mean, as I've seen over time and with the expansion of social media, there are many, many, many spouses and even kids stepping out and creating platforms for, you know, whether it's podcasting or, you know, influencers being like a military spouse influencer or child influencer, which I think is so cool. Um, You know, Bloom Military Teens, so many different resources like that that are out there and so many people are working to push those resources out so other people can see it but it's still a lot of work to start digging through and I find things all the time that I'm like oh I would have loved to know this existed you know four or five years ago or you know even longer before then but you know that's with the coming of time and technology and the advancements that are happening. Well and because we're not giving given this information, I always say that like it's never too early to start learning. So for you, 21 years old, like not married yet, what a great time to to really start looking at what do I need to do to have the strongest relationships possible, right? Whatever age you start that process. I mean, I yeah. have I had a client who was like 51 who was like, okay, I'm ready to learn this. And I think it's, <laughs> I think it's wonderful. Like it yeah. really isn't a too late time. But I just think, you know, now is the time and know that there are resources and know that this is something that we should all be taught how to do because it's hard, like having a relationship with somebody else, not hard in the sense that it feels bad, but to have a good relationship, whether it is a parent, whether it is a friend, whether, right, it requires work. And you hear people say that all the time, right? I'm putting in the work, I'm doing the work, but they're not always talking about what 
is that work? Like, what do I actually need to do? What happens when we are fighting about something that just doesn't seem to have a resolution, right? Like, that's really what we're talking about here is how do you, like you say, listen in a way that's going to get you results? How do you be there for somebody else in a way that feels good for both of you? How do you like these are those skills that you really can translate to every other area of your life. And it it just is so valuable. But like you said, you got to do a little bit of the quote unquote work to go out there and, and find it. Yeah, for real. And, you know, even like you said, 21 unmarried, like it's a great time to start. Like my past relationship, I knew nothing going into it really. But now looking back at it and even like applying some of the things I've seen on your page, like you learn a lot from past relationships. You learn from friendships. You learn from relationships within your family, within your community. And I don't know, one of my favorite things that I've seen lately, um, and it's becoming more of like, I don't want to say trend, but a lot of people are starting to do it. But it's the okay, do you want me to just listen to you vent Mm -hmm. or do you want me to give you advice? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes you just need to vent and get it out and you already know the solution and that's that. And sometimes like you actually want that two-way communication. You want the advice, um, not just comforting, but you want, you want more than that. And I even like say, I mean, there are even thousands more options in between there. Like me personally, I always want to vent, but I want you to acknowledge my pain, right? I don't need you to give me a solution, but I just wanted you to acknowledge like whatever it is that I'm going through. And I think that that the key, though, that what you said that's so important is really thinking about what is it that I need? Because if not, we're just going to do what we think we need to everyone else, right? Right. And so my, like my spouse, for example, he's going to do what feels best to him, but what feels best to him might not feel best to me. And so what I love the most is that we're really starting to just look at it. Like what actually would feel good to me here? Whether it's, you know, giving me some advice or whether it's, you know, just venting like, but the good part is we have to be mindful of what that is. Because if we don't know what it is that we want, (laughs) the the likelihood that somebody else is going to figure it out, regardless of who that person is, you know, is is very small. So I, I think that's the biggest key is we're really starting to look more into what is it that we want. And that changes everything. Right. And then there's I mean, you have to figure out what you want if you want the advice, if you want just someone to listen to you and acknowledge what you're feeling. So you have to figure that out. And then you have to be like, okay, now I have to gain up that courage to communicate with this person. Mm -hmm. Like, I just need, you know, you to listen to what I'm saying. I don't want you to say anything. Like, I will say it and then turn around and walk away, (laughs) you know, type deal. Mm -hmm. Or like, I'm, this is going to be take a while. Like, I need, a full-on conversation of what the situation is. Yeah. And so I'll even give you a personal example of this. So I call myself like a recovering conflict avoider. Like I, conflict was so uncomfortable for me. Like I would avoid it like the plague. And honestly, this is how my family did conflict. We did not talk about stuff. You just kind of brush things under the rug. I remember I was in high school and I went to my dad and I tried to, 
um, you know, he had hurt my feelings about something and I told him and I remember he said, okay, good night. Right. Like that is just like how we did stuff. We just didn't deal with it. And so it was so uncomfortable to me, but what I found is that by avoiding conflict all the time, I was never getting what I wanted. And now I'm, you know, like over and over and over again, I'm feeling frustrated and walked on and, you know, just not great. And so really what I found was that learning how to do conflict in a way that wasn't scary and learning how to do conflict in a way that actually felt good, that actually felt productive, that, you know, I I think that was the key for me because I'm not scared of it anymore. I still will never choose conflict in any situation, but I'll do it because I know I end up feeling better. I know my relationships feel better. I know that they they're not going to be this miserable, exhausting thing because I know how to do it now. I know like what I need to do and say and how it's going to end up okay. And that is important. And I feel like more people would be doing it if we had kind of that sort of mindset about stuff. Yeah, I think acknowledging that conflict is going to be there no matter what. I will say I am, I avoid conflict at all costs too. Like I am like, turn around like we're not dealing with this um so that's that's something to work on but (laughs) um well but it's I just I say that because it's so normal there's so many of us that have been like that right it would cause thinking about having to have a tough conversation would cause me such anxiety and I would like I mean almost like paralyzing anxiety it was it was I just couldn't do it and I would rehearse it if I had to do it I would like rehearse it in my head a thousand times and you know just all this stuff but now come to find it's not even just conflict right you're just going to disagree with people and it's because we are different our needs are different our backgrounds are different again like how I was raised I was in a relationship with somebody who they yelled like that. They just got everything out. Right. So you had this yeller with this conflict avoider and it was just, you know, it just yeah. wasn't <laughs> it the same. Work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's are you willing to kind of work through those things and are you willing to find a way that works really good for you? Because, again, my conflict never looks like yelling and my conflict, you know, now never looks like putting someone down or me being put down or right. Like we just it's it's just working through something so it it really doesn't feel bad where that wasn't the case for me a lot of my life yeah you have to find that in between where you find that common ground between both individuals in the relationship even friendship like I think that's so important because Mm -hmm. you're gonna find people who you know are there for the long haul like long-term friendships and you're going to come into conflicts no matter what. And if you can't understand, uh, you know, just simple things of how to communicate when, you know, you're going through a tough time or things like that, me, I end up shutting everyone out and (laughs) that's that. But, you know, so there's so many different things and so many different levels that you have to understand, even just with friendships that is, it's hard to understand and hard to end up communicating that to the other person. 
Well, and like we've been talking about, right? Because no one's teaching us how to do this. It's like, sometimes it is, well, then I just won't, don't do it. And I just won't do it because I don't know how to do it in a way that feels good. Um, I was talking to one of my clients about this recently and he's like, so you just want me to like fight? And I was like, well, no, I don't want you to fight with your spouse. But what I do want you to do is talk about things when, you know, when you're feeling them, if when you're not in a great place, I want you to bring it up because what's happening is you're not doing it. And now the issues are growing and growing and growing and nothing is ever getting better. So I don't want you to fight, but I do want you to have a conversation. And I think that even just redefining what conflict looks like, I think can be important for people. And knowing that there are really simple ways to do that. And the key is just finding what simple way for you specifically, you know, with your background, with your like, that's the key is to kind of personalize. Much like we were just talking about how I need to figure out what I want to be able to kind of share it with somebody else. Like, I also need to feel like, how does conflict feel good for me? How does, you know, what, how do I want to work through these things that doesn't make me want to run for the hills? (laughs) Right. And especially in this military lifestyle where, you know, like you said earlier, we have this inconsistent lifestyle that we're living friendships are coming and going and you know your spouse is going on deployments you're moving across the world across the country like so many life-changing things are happening that you have to be able to kind of be at peace with that and have the healthy conflict when you need to because I mean you like you said you need that teammate to get through this lifestyle and to get get through life in general (laughs) and so being able to have those conversations that healthy conflict is so important yeah I if there's one thing that the military life gives you it's it's being out of control a lot of time and I would say as a as a kid, as a child who already so much of your life is outside of your control. And now you add on the military where even less of your life is within your control. I think that as humans, that's not a place we want to be. We want to be in control. We want to feel good. And and so even just recognizing that that is our reality is that we are being forced and pushed into these situations that really are outside of our control. And that's scary. And so the one thing that we can control all the time is how we react to our feelings and to our situations and making sure that the ways that we react are healthy for us and healthy for the relationships around us, right? Like I know when my spouse deploys, like things are going to go wrong. I'm going to be overwhelmed. I, I, you know, I don't have a lot of control over any of that, but I can, I can control my reaction to them. And if I have a bad reaction, I can control what I do. Like if I snap at my my five-year-old, I can then go and apologize and I can talk through that and I can, right? Like, but those are the things that I 100% have control over and then nobody can take away from me. Right. And, you know, it's, if you have that bad reaction, then 
what reaction do you do to combat that and fix whatever situation you may have caused? And I mean, like you said, you can't control really anything and you can have bad moves. You can have struggles with travel or, you know, deployments and everything else that this lifestyle brings and presents to you, but you have to find your way to control your emotions and, you know, react to those situations in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, emotions are there for a reason. They are there to communicate to us what we need and what we need to do, right? Happiness tells us this that this is a good thing and keep it coming. And sadness tells us that, right? Like it all, all the emotions are important. And the key is really being able to feel them, listen to what they're saying, and then react to them in a way that's really healthy. And this is like top level stuff that, again, we're not taught to do, but yet we everyone has emotions and we're just supposed to figure it out. <laughs> um, but that's it too. And I talk to people about this all the time where I feel so out of control and I, you know, I I don't, what do I do? How do I kind of feel that? And that's what I always kind of going back to even what, what feels good to you? Like what feels productive? What feels calming, soothing, all of those kinds of things. And, and really the more that you can kind of tap into those answers, the easier Anything that you come up in life against, whether it's the military or anything, becomes, you know, becomes easier. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's, you know, in the end, what we want is we want a happy lifestyle. You know, Harvard Mm -hmm. would not have done an 80-year study on happiness if that's not the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I do, right? I do think that that is. We all just want to be happy everybody. I think that is like the one universal thing. Now, how we get there is going to be different from for everybody. What happiness looks like is going to be different for everybody. But I think even just knowing that, like, even when like my husband is driving me absolutely crazy, like (laughs) I ultimately know that he still just wants to be happy and he wants me to be happy and vice versa. We just have to figure out how to get on the same page with that. And it becomes so different than, oh, he's just, you know, he's trying to hurt my feelings and he's doing, right? But we, our brains do all of these weird, funky things when we feel and we just have to make sure that we are always in control of those. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, wrapping up, there's one thing I want to ask you and you've said so much throughout the entire recording, but what would one piece of advice you give to another military spouse or military family member be? That's a really great question. I think that um, for either a military spouse, but even a military family member child, I think that it would be to know that you're not alone and to know that getting support, regardless of what that support looks like, is good, is not, you know, better than good. It's, I think that it's not a sign of weakness. I think that it is a sign of strength. I think it's a sign of courage to be able to say, like, I need a little bit of support here. Um, Our society doesn't encourage it. Our, if anything, you know, it's, we have like the 
pull it up by the bootstraps kind of mentality and, you know, like be independent and do all of these things. But I think the reality of the situation is, is you probably could do it alone, but like you don't have to. So find somebody to learn the tools from find ask the questions um don't ever suffer by yourself there is always a solution there is always an answer honestly it's even usually a simpler solution than we think in our heads that it's going to be um and some of the best ways to do that is to have somebody who is kind of outside of the situation to be able to say like kind of point you in that direction so whether it's again support in the form of a friend a therapist a coach i mean doesn't matter but just really knowing that it is the best way to do life and the fastest way to get what it is that you want. Right. Because a lot of people will say that this lifestyle, military specifically, is so isolating. And so by knowing that it's you're not isolated, you're not on an island by yourself, you have a whole community who just wants to surround you, whether that be you know, professional help or whether that be just a friend. Mm -hmm. It's so important to acknowledge that and to realize that and to really lean on it when you need it. Yes, yes, yes. Like you, (laughs) what you are feeling is not abnormal, is not new. You are not the only one. And I think that our brains have the tendency to really tell ourselves that, you know, that we are, there's something wrong with us, that we are the only people dealing with it. And the only way that, that we really get outside of that is that we get support and we realize that, nope, everybody, like literally everybody else is feeling the same way too. And so, um, just never, ever, ever suffer alone, bring in, even if it's just one person, um, it just, yeah, it, it makes things so much better. Yeah, absolutely. And where can listeners connect with you? Ah, I love um, having people in my orbit with me. Again, I don't want to do this life alone. So happy to have um, anyone. I have a podcast called Married to Military. Would love to see you there. Um, and then my Instagram is also Married to Military. And um, I'd love for you to reach out and say hi there as well. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on the podcast and sharing so much good, helpful information. Well, and thank you, Gracie. And thank you for everything that you are doing for just community as well. I just think it's such an important thing. And again, we are all getting better because of people like you. So thank you so much. Yes. And same to you. Thank you for listening to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like, follow, and comment. Also, be sure to check out Instagram and Facebook at Grace of a Military Child and Life for more awesome content. For information on the podcast, Military Child Bigs and Littles, GoAMCL blog, or other resources, visit www.goamcl.org. You can also email me at Gracie. That's G-R-A-C-I-E at G-O-A-M-C-L dot org with any questions or comments. To be a guest on the podcast, you can schedule it at www.goamcl.org forward slash schedule a podcast, all one word, or contact me via social media or email. 
Stay tuned for the next episode where another incredible story is shared.